Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Good morning again. It's good to be back with you. I had started the week before I left a a sermon series dealing with the traits of discipleship, the, the characteristics of discipleship. And we're in Matthew chapter 10, if you have your Bibles. And uh, last time when we were in chapter 10, we went through verse 31. And what I want to do today is, is look at verses 32 and 33. But in order to kind of get it in context and to understand what, what's going on, I'm going to begin with verse 24 so that we, we catch the, the whole thought process that, that Jesus is teaching. So beginning in Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, he says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot cure the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows." Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And we'll stop right there. Now, before I get into the actual message, I want to talk just for a moment about individuals who have stood up for Jesus Christ. There was a man who lived back, he, he's now dead. His name was Festo Kivangiri, and he was known as the Billy Graham of Africa. He was a man from Uganda, and he wrote a book about the church, Jesus' church, in the country of Uganda. And he, in that book, one of the things that he talks about are people who had been martyred for their faith while being from Uganda. And this is just one of the stories that, that he tells. It's in the year 1885. And at that point in time, Uganda had a king. And he had ordered the arrest of three boys in an effort to stamp out Christianity. The oldest of the boys was 15, and the youngest was 11. The boys held fast to their faith, and they were willing to stake their lives on their faith. Though people were 
pleading with them. Their, their very parents were begging them to renounce their faith, but they wouldn't do it. And so the king ordered that they be burned alive. And before they are burned alive at the place of execution, they sent this notice to the king. The boy, this is what it says, tell his majesty that he has put our bodies in the fire, but we won't be long in the fire. It is only temporary. Soon we will be with Jesus, which is much better. But ask him to repent and change his mind, or he will find himself in a place of eternal fire where the torment never ends. And then the boys sang a song which has become known as the martyr's song there in Uganda. And one of the lines of the song says, Oh, that I had wings like the angels, I would fly away and be with Jesus. Now, it was apparently the, the rule that when they burned someone alive, before burning them alive, they would cut their arms off. And the reason that they would do that is so that they couldn't try to fight their way out of the fire. And it is reported that the 11-year-old boy, the youngest of the three, said, please don't cut my arms off. I will not struggle in the fire that takes me to Jesus. Forty people were saved that day that those boys died. And this, this is a new kind, this, you know, to, to those people, they saw something in those boys that they had never experienced in any other way. Now, these boys couldn't have known a lot of theology. It's very probable they couldn't even read, but they had fallen in love with Jesus their lives had taken on a complete new meaning. And because of that, they were willing to sacrifice their very lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. They weren't hanging on to their lives thinking, I've, I've got I've to save myself. They were ready to give up their lives for Jesus now, this is just one story in, in literally thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of events that over the course of the history of Jesus's church that, that have been played out over and over again in many countries across all of the continent, boys, girls, men, women, who have been unashamed of Jesus Christ. People who have been willing to confess him before men. That's what verse 32 says. We are to confess him before men. No matter what the audience, whether the people are friendly or whether people are hostile, we have to be willing to stand up for Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus is telling us here, that is one of the traits, that is one of the characteristics of being a genuine disciple, that we are willing to confess him at any cost. Now, 
On the other hand, verse 33 says, one who denies Christ before men marks, uh, marks a person as one who will be denied before God. That is a false disciple. Now, what's, what's Jesus saying to us here? Well, in verse 24 and 25, he's telling us, and, and this is kind of review here. Verse 24 and 25, he's telling us that a disciple is not better than the teacher. And a servant is not above or better than his Lord. And in Luke 6, 40, it says, when a disciple is fully matured, he will be just like his teacher. So the goal of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to become like Jesus Christ. Now, 1 John 2.6 says, if we say that we abide in him, then we ought to walk as he walked. And, and so the goal of a true disciple is be like Jesus. If you say you are a follower of Christ, then show me by your Christ-likeness. That's, that's what needs to come through in our life. It is Christ's character obvious in your life? It, it should be if you're a genuine follower of Christ. Second, to be like Christ is to be treated like Jesus was treated. Now, in verse 25, the second half of that says, If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, or, or Satan, you shouldn't be surprised if they call you evil names as well. So, we see two things that mark a genuine disciple. One, he's going to be like Christ. And two, naturally, he's going to be treated just like Christ was treated. Now, there are some identifiers of a true disciple. Number one, a true disciple doesn't fear the world. Verses 26 through 31 tells us, Jesus says you're going to be in a hostile world. And, and a true disciple isn't going to be afraid of that hostile world. You're going to stand up. You're going to speak boldly. You're going to be confronted by evil. And, and when you are, you're going to confess. Jesus publicly. Now that brings us to verses 32 and 33. A true disciple chooses Jesus. When it comes down to a decision, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, they're going to choose Jesus. Now, the verse 32 says, therefore, and what the therefore is, is it's built on the previous passages. So if you know that you have the promise of God, that he's one day going to right all of the wrongs, and that one day he will reward all of the faithful service, and that you know that you will have the power of God at, at your disposal, and that he is the one that you are to truly fear, not the people of the world, that you're really reverencing him, and that you know that you have God on your side, then you're going to be willing to confess Jesus without fear. That makes sense, right? So that's what the therefore is therefore in verse 32. 
give me a week off, I get witty. Th 32 says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So you're, you say, Jesus, you mean that you have to confess Jesus before people to be a true Christian? Yeah. In, in order to be a true Christian, you have to believe that in the end, God is going to gain victory and that he's going to lift up his people. And you believe that God has greater power than man has. And you believe that God is a father who cares for his children. And this is all coming out of what Jesus is saying here. And, and, if, and if you believe that, you're going to be willing to stand up and say, I identify with Jesus Christ. So in view of God's, God's promises, God's protection, what would be more reasonable than to identify as a follower of Jesus? And, and that means that you fearlessly confess him in front of people, no matter how hostile they may be. Paul says in Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because I know it is the power of God unto salvation. So now in verse 32, he says, confess Jesus, confess Christ before men. Well, what does that mean exactly? It means that you affirm him, that you acknowledge him, that you agree with him, that you confess him with your mouth, such as Romans 10 tells us, and that you confess him with your life and that you live out your confession. I think it's really appropriate that, that we sang a song based off of the Apostles' Creed this morning because that is a confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. So whether you're standing in front of friendly people that, that are on your side or you're standing in front of a hostile mob that wants to beat you to death, a true Christian confesses Jesus Christ. So verse 32, the key, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, and, and literally what that says is in front of men. This emphasizes a public nature of confession. If someone is not willing to do this, you know, if, if someone says, well, I, I'm a secret Christian, I, I really don't want people to know about it, then, then you've missed the whole point. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, with the mouth, confession is made. There must be this verification. 1 John 4, 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So how do you, how do you know who is a true Christian? They are the ones who confess Jesus as the Son of God. How does he confess? He confesses with his mouth and with his life. 
That's the mark of true discipleship. In Revelation chapter 2, we have Jesus speaking to the different churches. And in verse 13, he's speaking to the church at Pergamos. And he says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Jesus says, you have named my name and you have not denied my name, you know, even in the midst of persecution, even to the point that one of the church was martyred for the faith. And that's the point is that we we identify with Jesus Christ publicly. We identify with Jesus Christ. This is this is a good spot for us to examine our own lives. Say to yourself, you know, am I doing this? Am I willing to stand for Jesus Christ even when people don't like what I have to say? Or, or do you find yourself saying, ah, oh, I really, I, I don't like talking about my faith out loud. I, I don't like, I, I think this is a very private thing, and I don't think anybody needs to know what I feel about my faith. If you, if you are unwilling to talk about who you are in Christ, that should be a big red flag that there's something wrong in, in your connection with God. Now, I, I recognize there are going to be lapses. We are going to mess this up. You know, there, as, as Christians, we're going to fail at this. But that's what grace and forgiveness are, are all about. You know, Peter denied the Lord. But remember his reaction? Once he realized what he had done, he went out and wept bitterly. His heart was broken. And, and Timothy, and um, you know, think about Timothy. He is Paul's disciple. He, he has studied under Paul. And in 2 Timothy verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes to Timothy and says, stop being ashamed of the Lord. You know, how would you like to hear that from your mentor? Quit it. Stop being a coward. Stand up for your faith. Timothy messed up. All of us are going to mess up. I have messed up. You have messed up. But when we realize that we go, oh, darn it. I, Jesus, I'm sorry. I blew that opportunity. I whiffed right there, and I need to get that straight. And you resolve to stand up better the next time. Look at your life. And, and you, you know, only you can tell about your life. Nobody else can, can do this for you. But you need to ask yourself that hard question. Am I willing to stand up and confess Jesus Christ no matter the cost? If it'll cost you business, should you do it? Yes, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter if it costs you friendships. It doesn't matter if it costs you business. It doesn't matter if it, it costs you public perception. It doesn't matter. You have to stand for Jesus Christ. In the end of verse 32, it says, He will confess you before the Father who is in heaven. What exactly does that mean? That means that on judgment day, if you will, Jesus is going to stand before God and he's going to say, this one belongs to me. He stood or she stood for me even when the times were tough. You have affirmed your loyalty to Jesus and he will affirm his loyalty to you. You can tell a true Christian because they're willing to confess Christ. And, and yes, there's going to be times when you fail, but that shouldn't be the pattern of your life. The pattern of your life should be to stand and, and to be desiring to be more like Christ, a, a, willing, a willingness to be treated the way Jesus was treated. Now, Let's look at it from the other side. That's verse 33. Whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, this could be speaking about open rejectors. You know, people who flagrantly say, there is no way I'm a Christian. I do not follow Christ. I, you know, I am against Christ. I, that's not what this is talking about here. Verse 33 is talking about someone who is in the sphere of Christianity, someone who would be sitting in this room right now today, someone who outwardly says, I'm, I'm a follower, but they're only going along. But when it comes down to the test, they say, uh -uh. you know, hypothetically, let's say someone walked in here with a gun and said, if you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to shoot you. And they go person by person and put the gun to your forehead and say, are you a follower of Christ? And if you say yes, they pull the trigger. Well, there would be potentially some people that when they put the gun to their forehead and say, are you a follower of Christ? They go, no, no, no. I, I just came for, for the music. I, I, nope, nope, nope. It, it, that would be denying Christ. Okay? You can deny Christ, though, in a lot of ways, short of a firing squad. This, this is... This type of denial here is people who say, you know, Jesus talks about in Matthew that on judgment day, people are going to say, Lord, Lord, it's us. And he's going to say, I, I never knew you depart from me. I, I don't know who you are. And because by your life, you deny Christ. What does that mean? It, it means that you say publicly, well, I go to the church, but there's nothing about your life that is evidenced of faith. You don't live by faith in Jesus Christ. You don't seek a relationship with him. You don't seek to become like Christ. When you're at church, you act like church people, but when you're not at church, you don't act like church people. 
That's, that's what it's talking about here, that you, you're a two-faced person. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, and, and this is where we're going to wrap up, this is, this is a picture of judgment. And, and this is the judgment of the sheep and the goats. The, the, and, and the Lord comes and he sets the sheep on his right hand, and those, and those are the ones who loved him and, and who knew him. And the goats are on the left, and those are the ones who didn't know him. And in verse 34 of Matthew 25, it says, Then the king will say to those on the right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In other words, he says, these are mine. Come and inherit your kingdom. And because they had confessed him, they, they had not denied him by their lives. And, and it says that that they did this publicly. And verse 35, they, they, they say, well, how did we do this? How, how did we confess that we, we knew you? And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did you see, did did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. What is this saying exactly? This is saying, and and listen to this. If you confess Christ with your mouth, that's the public affirmation of your faith. If you confess Christ before men, no matter how hostile, you're showing your genuineness. And here, you confess Christ by your actions, by living for Christ in a hostile world. You demonstrate the heart of Jesus to his people. His heart of affection for his people is evident in you. Do, do you see that's what, that's what he's saying? If you have not love, how can you say that God dwells in you? It tells us in John. In other words, you confess Christ by feeding people that are hungry, by quenching the thirst of those who are thirsting, by, by giving a home to a stranger, clothing someone who, who doesn't have clothes, by visiting the sick or calling on prisoners. Why? It's proof you are like Christ, because that's what Jesus would be doing. You confess Christ with your mouth. Do you confess Christ before before the world that you live in, no matter who it is? Do you confess Christ in your lifestyle by reaching out as Jesus would reach out, by loving as he loved, by caring as he cared? Trademark 
That's the qualifications of a true disciple, that you not only have the, the power of God in your presence, but you also compass, can you, you also contain the, the compassion of Jesus. Remember, the goal of the Christian life is to become more and more and more like Christ. So Christ ought to be evident in your life. Christ would see a crowd and he would weep over them. Christ would see injustice and he'd want to make it right. Christ would see someone hungry and he would feed them. He, he'd see someone thirsty and he'd give them water. And so I ask you to look at your life as it relates to Christ. There is a cost to the Christian life. It's open confession and it's a willingness to, to set aside your life in order to become more and more like Jesus. Well, if you're like me, you look at your life and you say, I fall short. I know I do. So what is our response? We bear down and we draw closer to Christ. We don't settle and go, well, well, that's good enough. It's not good enough. Our lives must become more like Christ. That, that should be your goal in life, to be more like Christ. That, that's it. You can't ask for anything more important. Now, I'm going to quit here and, and we'll pick this up again next week. But I, I just want to encourage you to, to bear down. Seek to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for showing us again what it is to be a true disciple. God, may there be no one here who will perish under the illusion that they are genuine if they are not. Bring whatever needs to be brought into each life, Father, in order to force the issue and make a person examine themselves, that there be no confusion and no deception. And Father, those of us who, who are your disciples, for those times when we have failed you, thank you that you forgive us. And please help us to be stronger, to be better, to be more committed. Jesus, draw us to you. You tell us in your word that we don't come to you unless you draw us. And so I pray, Father, for your drawing. I pray that you hook into us and you compel us to you, Father, so that you will be glorified and so that we will stand before all people and proclaim, Jesus is my Lord. And I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.